<laughs> good morning. What happened? Good morning, Gardenia. Happy Friday. Welcome to Adam versus the Man. It is Friday the 13th. August 13th, 2021. I don't care. Joey cares. She almost made me care. We'll see if she can make you care. She's like, it's Friday. She just said, as we were doing prep, it's Friday the 13th. It's a special episode. I'm like, it is? It's a special I, I don't, day. I don't care. Uh, she cool said people in my audience might. If number 666 hit on Friday the 13th, that would have been cool. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, we did have a spooky start with Ooh. that weird technical glitch. I highly disrespect for authority. Yeah. Oh, he's already did. See? E. Vincent W. And he, he, that was there before the broadcast even started. So, cheers for Friday the 13th. Uh, happy Friday the 13th, everybody. Uh, Joey's going to try to convince us why it's important. Uh, Bethany Hill joins us on the top of the hour for an update on what's going on with We Are the 74 in Mississippi. But uh, before that, Jim, give us the producer notes and then we'll, then we'll all smoke. What's going on? This is like the earliest I've ever done promos, I think. That's crazy. I'm like, I don't know what to say now. I don't it's, know. it's a happy Friday show and we have the right number of awesome links. Yeah. 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 22, 24, 26 with good news in history. 26 links. And some of them are going to be really quick. Some of the, the top one today, flying motorcycles are here-ish. Could go 250 miles an hour. Like, yeah. We're, we're in, mm. It's about freaking time. Jim, do the notes and we'll get into it. I can't wait to hear about the ish part of that sentence. <laughs> so. well, you can't get one at Walmart yet. That's why I say here ish. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be conservative. Realistic. Like, I don't think I, I, am I, am I like being bullied and manipulated by the anti-conspiracy theorist people to be like very, very intellectually modest and conservative in my descriptions of things because I, I even flying motorcycles i don't fly motorcycles right here i'm like well if you say they're here adam people are going to be upset when they can't buy them at walmart <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then the mainstream media is going to marginalize you there's gonna be one more thing they use as an excuse to censor you because you're not even accurate or factual and now this is misleading medical information because someone could crash and really hurt themselves on a flying motorcycle that they don't even have and then you're going to see the cause of death from flying motorcycles go way up and the government's going to come in and regulate them and i, just, I never should have mentioned it i just yeah. never should have mentioned it somebody's going to translate that into all motorcycles fly now and they're going to jump off a cliff with a motorcycle and wonder why it didn't fly. You're going to get sued for it. It's horrible. Disclaimer. Okay, get out of here. We can You can see all 20 whatever uh, things he said we had on t.me forward slash Adam versus Man. That's a public telegram channel that we all have. Everyone is welcome to that. Every single person on the planet should be a part of that public telegram chant. We have Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Adam versus Man, one, five, ten, even $50 a month. $10 a month to get you access to a private producers club, which is another Telegram chat that is not public. That one's private. You have to be invited and feel special. So if you want to be a part of that, check out Patreon. Uh, Instagram, at the Garden of Freedom, is the place where you can find all the pictures of the animals growing up and life up there in Gardenia in general. If you want to keep up with everything that's going on through all of the seasons of Gardenia, check out Instagram at the Garden of Freedom. That's the best place to do that. Next, we check out the HomefrontBattleBuddies.com, veterans nonprofit organization that's 
aim is to end the need for combat veterans in the first place entirely. If you want to check out their uh, mission statement, everything at homefrontbattlebuddies.com, just know that all of your donations that you do send to homefrontbattlebuddies.com is theft deductible. So that's a great feature. Definitely take advantage of that. Next, we're going to talk about the crypto, the number six.com. That's the Bitcoin church that was rated up in Keene, New Hampshire. We've been bringing it to you every single day. These are the QR codes. You can donate if you have such to uh, to help out with their legal funds, or you can write to Mr. Nobody still in a cage from that button on the top link for free. Uh, definitely take advantage of both of those things on the crypto6.com. Lastly, we talk about gogreenenergyonline.com, the website we send everyone to that wants to learn more about solar panels, micro wind power, uh, just getting yourself off grid no matter where you live. If you're looking to do it yourself, you can educate yourself to do it yourself at gogreenenergyonline.com. That's all I got. Hope you all enjoy the show. Here comes co-host G.I. Mary J. Well, I think for everybody. For our buddy. Everybody. <laughs> Good news Friday, everybody. We got lots of good news, but we're going to start with Joey. Explain what the fuck Friday the 13th. I, how did I, did I not know that this was like a thing? I got to pull this link you sent to the producers club. Because the patriarchy and the Catholic church don't want you to know that Friday the 13th is a good day. 13's an incredibly magical number in numerology. Uh, the day Friday is the day you're supposed to honor the goddess in magic and pagan religions. Um, so, yeah, the man got a hold of that and completely turned it into this icky thing you should be scared of. So this article has a really cool word. Can you pronounce it? Do you I know what I'm looking at? I tried to pronounce it in my head. Let me see. Let me see. I got it. Trixadecaphone. No, you already screwed it up. Triskadecaphobia? Triskadecaphobia. Triskadecaphobia. Yeah, I think I got it right. At least phonetically complete. <laughs> Triskadecaphobia, also known as the extreme superstitious and fearful views of the number 13. Contrary to popular belief, Friday the 13th is anything but unlucky. Yeah. Trace to the patriarchy. So that was Friday, but what's the what's the thirteenth part? I keep reading it. it gives Judas you... Iscariot and the thirteenth attendant of the Last Supper who betrayed Jesus Christ. The crucifixion of Christ was also on a Friday, which has made people extra weary of the correlation mm -hmm. in numerology. Thirteen is a number of growth and transformation. Yeah. Hmm interesting all right so we sell i mean we do this friday we, we so good friday as a as a christian concept is kind of a takeover of the divine feminine worship of the pagan friday see how that works day. yeah the 13th disciple arguably was mary magdalene so, so we already fixed that her out so you know they just made her a whore even though there was absolutely no mention of that in the Bible, I don't know if you guys read that book, but they made me read it. I paid attention, and it was probably the worst thing that could have happened for, for the organized 
religion that I was like, wait a minute, this, and you, hmm, something's wrong here. Mm. Quite eye-opening, quite eye-opening. But happy Friday the 13th. All right. So should we jump, do you, anything else on it, or are we keep jumping right into uh, good news? I mean, it's not anything to, like, freak out about. There doesn't need to be this movement to change. I don't think people are, like, superstitious like that anymore. This is why we do, it, superstition is just kind of dumb now. Right? It is. is no, that... but statistically, black cats die a lot on friday the 13th like kids and like sick people round up black cats and PETA and local animal shelters always put out like leave the black cat alone you know that's weird so it's still manifests it's still significant yeah it still does things to people there's more uh just like on the full moon there's there's more police calls on friday the 13th statistically well it makes sense with the full moon just as it encourages activity by the night being not as dark as it normally would be i mean there doesn't have to be you know a superstitious explanation for that and cheap tattoo day so cheap tattoos today too oh really yeah man google friday the 13th tattoos in your local area and a lot of places do like 13 dollar tattoos on friday but you have to pick from the sheet and they're all friday the 13th themed which is fun. I've got a, a 13 and a Band-Aid on the back of my neck, and I got a Friday the 13th <laughs> tattoo special. That's what that's from. But it's it's also symbolic of a car accident. That's that's where the cut uh, stopped, or stopped, and here's where the cut started. Went all the way around. So, And that happened on a Friday the 13th, actually, in 2003, when I got T-boned and chopped my head open so friday the 13th has been unlucky for me in the past it's a good thing you're not superstitious dear it's a good thing all right robreport.com with our main headline today forget flying cars the world's first flying motorcycle is coming the speeders design team said the sci-fi sky bike recently passed flight tests they expect it to be commercially available by 2023. So that's me saying here-ish. Does that make sense? Here-ish is two years out. But yeah, it's here like in, in a predictive book. Well, no, I've been saying like five to 10 years for like five to 10 years at this point. That so, was very Iron Man too. Like I really, ooh, I really did. Like that. That's pretty. I, I I hate to be uh, the grandpa in the room, but why not put a safety cage on it? I bet there's going to be some sort of safety apparatus on it. The FDA, not the FDA. Is it so the stable FDA, that you don't really that. need it? I mean, <laughs> I would say like how much like like you could set it up so that it's like negligible visual impairment. You know, maybe you have two bars like here in your field, like, you know, out here in your field of view. Something that would protect you. Right? Like a car, like a car has, like on the left and right side of the windscreen, right? Yeah, it's nothing holding this guy on. Like, that's unreal. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, why not make this all enclosed so you don't even have to wear a helmet or a special suit? Why make the, why make. Yeah. Okay. So this is the fun version, but I think there's going to be a practical version that's like a one person car. You know, or a family. Well, then there's going to be that version of it too. I feel it's interesting that it starts with this, right? It says, "Forget flying cars. The world's first flying motorcycle is coming," and it's because it's smaller and it's sort of the mechanics of a motorcycle, where it's you need a certain uh, weight and thrust or weight and battery power to thrust uh, or 
the thrust and battery power to weight ratio, whatever the fuck you guys know what I'm talking about, power plant to, to weight ratio that you have with a motorcycle rather than a vehicle. So maybe making a cage in an enclosure goes well. Now it's not, a pra- it's not as practical. Yeah. But this thing, hold, hold on, they're saying it could go 250 fucking miles an hour. Wait, 250 miles. Yeah. The government's not going to allow this. You all realize that is not going to happen. Nope. They put governors on cars, what, like in the mid-90s, maybe even earlier. They, they got prevalent. They got like really regular. But no, government's, government's this can never going to allow this that. Can be, uh, pro- already this one can be programmed to fly autonomously like any drone. Um, it, it has uh, angled thrusters. That's So that's, that's uh, for now, that's our best answer to the mechanical challenge yeah. is you have thrusters that look like turbines and there's four of them. So it's a quadcopter, but they're enclosed and they pivot. They just pivot forward, right? Like, uh, I hate to say like the Osprey because they killed so many Marines with that airplane, with the uh, the tilt rotors, you know, flying oh, bongs, lean, elbow goffs. So the technology is at the point where this is practical, but... Um, so, uh, according to Jetpack Aviation CEO David Maiman, we could have an ultralight version, which requires no pilot's license, ready within two years, and an experimental category version within six months after that. The ultralight version would be limited to 60 miles per hour, FAA rules, there's your limiter, and a flight time of 15 minutes. The experimental version would require a basic pilot's license to fly. The speed of this version would be approximately 250 miles per hour with a flight time of about 35 minutes. That's a range of like 120 miles. And so remember, I, I had this idea, and I know I'm like, oh, okay, this idea. It's not my idea. Um, but uh, with electric cars, it actually has kind of surprised me that they haven't done this already with Teslas, at least, the interchangeable battery packs. And I get it. It's because the way they've designed those cars is that the battery pack is, is, is it's huge. And it's like the base plate of the car, right? It, as I understand, it's uh, the frame is like the platform is the battery. It's or like holds the battery itself. It's a big Not. flat rectangle. Is that, is that right? Not familiar. Um, on the, uh... At least in some versions that I've seen of the, the layout of the Teslas. So you can't very easily swap it out, but why not drop it out? And have it come back in. I'm thinking like you know those uh, like uh, car wash drive-throughs. See, it must. Where you I drive don't... in and a machine put. So however it interacts with the vehicle, it could be complicated. But it you know it interacts, pulls the battery off the bottom of the car, the slaps thing. a new one in, and puts that in, in an underground so, or charging wait. station, whatever. That would make more they sense have... than having to stop and plug your car in. They right? have the Carvana thing that the. the uh this full-size vending machine for vehicles where a salesman's not even needed. So that's already a thing. Right. And years ago, and I got out of the automotive industry in 2014, 15. Uh, but back then I was reading articles about Elon Musk wanting to revolutionize the industry by making those car wash style things you're talking about for regular okay. maintenance that would do yeah. your oil changes, your trans flushes, your whatever, all the, the, the regular stuff that's, that's easy. But it's, it's gotta be the battery pack change for the range. The battery right. would need, would be something that would be included in that. But I read a few articles on that and it disappeared and probably because regulation. No, no, it's weird. Yeah. It, it's a weird, it's, it, I, I, and that'd be, be interesting to see the economics analysis of this in detail, 
but I bet it's a simple set of government regulations and weird policies that make that not economically viable, or as these dumbass charging stations are. And and the gas the gas drivers, that, and that's me and, and you, go, ha, 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 your, your electric vehicle is impractical, it doesn't have the ring, and you have to stop and plug it in and charge it. And that and, and me pumping gas only takes ten minutes. Ha ha ha. You charging takes an hour. You have to plan your trips around charging breaks. And it's like, yeah, it's that's really fucking dumb. Why does it work that way instead of swapping batteries out? And it's like, well, no, if you swap batteries out, it'd be like drive through times. Yeah. It would be it'd, it'd, it'd be like, there, fuck like, you, it's faster than gas. Always, it, you know, faster than gas. Battery, battery, it wouldn't cost a whole lot more. Yeah. He says uh, on YouTube, I think the batteries have a 15 year life under ideal conditions. So that would be great if the, for those cars if the batteries were swappable too. You know, and I hate to complain about like, oh, look, Tesla and flying motorcycles. And it's because government regulations, they're not perfect, you know, as good as they could. But yeah, it really is holding back. I mean, the bigger, the bigger effect of government in these developing technologies is uh, just delay. Just delay, 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 delay. Limiters, 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 limiters. It's going to be a problem you know, with this isn't, and it's too. just making every and making everything in innovation that much less economically viable. How many of you right now, like if you could finance it, would pay twenty thousand dollars for uh, one of like, one of these motorbikes, one of these flying motorbikes? The, the, yeah, like. Yeah, even 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 the, even the really limited one. We right? now if it weren't for regulations. Think yeah. about it. The technology that, and, and they don't cost. They don't cost that much to make. Like, let me break this down for you. Like right now, like let's let, let's see what is what are, what are they saying? JPA puts the initial price for the consumer versions at three hundred eighty-one thousand dollars. They've already begun taking for years. So it's extremely expensive. Not for I said twenty thousand dollars because I look at this thing and I look at modern motorcycles, right? Like top of the line, Hayabusa, whatever the fuck, you know, like all like the, the motorcycles that do two hundred plus miles an hour out the box. You know, there, there's a sort of limit to how much it can cost to make that thing. Now, research and development and design. And the first ones, if they can get away with charging $381,000, you know, hey, good for them for, for being able to do that. And and I encourage people who can afford it to buy those and encourage the development because, it's. I mean, I'm, again, my childhood example is the Nintendo Entertainment System. Being, it was like $200 when it first came out. It was, oh, yeah. my God. And you think about it, like, even back and then. The 80s were like 50 like, bucks a pop. And, 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 in the 80s. So, like. Right before the Super Nintendo was the next big evolution. And, and Nintendo exactly. had to compete with Sega. And what what the other consoles at the time I don't remember the Sega price of the basic NES PlayStation came later, but the basic NES was uh, came down from like a hundred from like two hundred dollars and fifty dollar games to something like you know eighty dollars and ten fifteen dollar games right just by being competitive over time because there was an inflationary effect where the company said well we can get away with charging for this because it's new and there are enough rich people who will buy this before market competition kicks in let's let's try to take advantage of our first to market advantage by charging more and recouping our costs of research and development and i'm not saying this is good this is just this is how these economic dynamics work with modern corporatism it shouldn't be this way for a lot of reasons you get rid of intellectual property you get rid of the tax structure you get rid of so many other bullshit hurdles in this and 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 most of these sort of dynamics of inefficiency go away chris keller there's 
way more liability in a flying object. So the liability thing. Now, I, I, I do want. Huh? Facebook viewers. <coughs> Ooh, people are watching yeah. on Facebook. People are watching on Facebook. Thanks for watching thing? on Facebook. Probably. All right. Yeah. Sure. Um. So I was thinking about uh the the liability. I appreciate the comment. Actually, it's, it's a very smart one. In in looking at flying motorcycles and going, well, what uh, what is the liability? And this is why. Um, I, I, I mean, they're, they're doing this with like an open motorcycle thing where it's like, yeah, if it flips, you fall, I think it's got enough stabilization stuff in it. And maybe there's a limit to, um, you know, height, but pretty soon everybody's going to be able to hack these things. I didn't see any saddlebags on that thing. Yeah. There's a built-in trunk, right? Yeah. That's a stereo. Uh, and you got headphones in yeah, your, in your, in your, in your yeah, uh, helmet. Yeah, but the fact that they can do this now, um, I, I guess I want to go back to my five to ten years estimate. Like, yeah, it might it might be five years, but uh, two years, rich people are going to have access to chintzy versions that have that are severely limited. Two years, within two years, and if this company is doing it, rich there are others are that are doing space it right now. Yeah, yeah, so why don't they have flying motorcycles on Earth? Uh, but no, these things eventually, they're going to go, you're going to have a one-person drone or a family-sized car quadcopter drone that can go 250, 400, 500 miles an hour. I mean, this is t today, 250 miles an hour is possible and with today's technology. I'd imagine today's engineering. Air travel's safer too. I mean, there's a liability, of course, in the person that's riding the bike. But so there's there's collisions that I, I feel like there's less. So there's in air collisions, but I think Not a lot. the I, technology is going to be there to prevent that. To sense that, yeah, like you're going to have sensors and safety stuff, and it it's going to be like I mean, we have motorcycles today. Are they going to be more dangerous than motorcycles? Like and, I mean, and motorcycles are a great example of something from the ground. Like, yeah, but otherwise you can ride, and, and I think that's going to be mitigated as well. I think you're going to have parachutes and all sorts of safety stuff. I think parachute I, in the back. I think this is going to be enclosed. I think very soon they're going to engineer one. Like I mean, if you can pay three hundred eighty thousand dollars for this hot shit motorcycle, it's only a matter of making it five hundred thousand dollars to make it bigger and beefier enough to support the weight of a, a full cage. Yeah. I think that's going to be way more practical is a step-in bubble motorcycle kind of thing that maybe it's a two-seater and then that's cool. So it's way more, because a lot more people travel. I mean, you take thinking about how humans travel in trips. You know, this most thing, trips are by one person at a time anyway. Jetson so. said this is how we were flying already, or how we were traveling already. No, I mean, this this may be where we're, we're going. It makes sense that this is where we're going in the future. I mean, you'll have some people in vehicles on the ground because you only have to go short distances and it's better for you for one reason or another. I think they'll all end up being electric vehicles at some point that are only made to go short distances and everything else is going to end up being air travel. I mean, it's it's probably healthier for the environment long-term. You can probably produce cleaner burning fuels with these things than you can with yes. your regular vehicle. I mean, yeah. the fact that we're driving around internal combustion engines is like me 
hopping into a brand new Lamborghini and putting a, a, a phonograph player on, like the one with the big horn, not not yeah. like a record player from the 80s. Yeah, and no, it really that's is fucked up. That's a really good comparison. Our vehicles are yeah. just, it's they're only there because those big companies can't fail. Uh, that We all know that. Yeah, again, it'd be kaputs a long time ago. Watch who killed the electric car. So a couple more mechanical notes about this model and what they're doing with this, with uh, the company Jetpack. Uh, automatic landing gear deploy as it nears the ground. I think automatic stabilizers, automatic collision avoidance, all of those things could be built in enough to make this already practically safer than a motorcycle. I object to having to suit up for this. That's that's my big thing. Same thing with motorcycles. Like when I rode motorcycles, it's like the, a big part of the logistical burden of riding a motorcycle, aside from like you're gearing up and you're thinking of you're gearing up mentally. And it's focused, whereas a car can be relaxing, right? Motorcycle ride can't really be, you can say it's relaxing. You're going on a, a cruiser, you know, long, curvy mountain road, and it's just kind of chill. But even then, you're geared in, you're focused, because your life is in your hands in a millisecond, kind of split-second decision yeah. system, totally which is different from, from a car. So, but but the other thing is the uh, the suiting up. You have to assume that all of your, even your, the front of your suit can get bugs and water and anything in the air. And your hair has to be composed to put on a helmet. For me, those are a big deal. Is that a buzz cut? You know, uh, and earbuds are pain in the ass, even with a helmet. Although I'm, I bet they got that fixed with like built-in Bluetooth shit in your helmet. Can't be that expensive now. But uh, all of those things make the, the, the non-caged version of this, especially flying as opposed to higher speeds, right? More air exposure. Uh, I, I You can hit a bird. Yeah, that would hurt. It's pretty hard to hit a bird on a motorcycle. Birds fly, Bird's out of the way. you know, like, they, I, but at higher speeds with a motorcycle. Oh, anyway, so I think that, these things are going to be addressed. Be in a totally different direction. You know, how like deer and other wildlife struggles when, Babylon pops in like we're gonna do that to the sky now too. I mean we're already doing it with. with yeah, but it's gonna be a lot less pollution. These are all gonna be battery. Yeah, powered. yeah, they just need to and way more efficient. Share the stuff. Way more efficient. It's yeah. So I I, I think that, okay, so this leads me to believe that where this is going to evolve. Remember the Jetsons ones where like there was a disc, right around it. Now bear with me okay. for a second, right? And then and then the bubble in the middle, right? Uh, with these, okay, so although the original design projected four turbines, as shown in the images accompanying this article, the final product will actually have eight, two at each corner of the bike to provide safety through redundancy. I would think also stability, maneuverability, sure. there's probably other advantages of having eight, more of a circle, right, rather than a square. Totally. But then, what if you put a skirt around it? Like a metal skirt. Now it looks like one of the Jetsons. And then you put a bubble under, oh, shit. And then you just have a, a door thing that comes up so you can step into it. They haven't you... done it yet because that's the most logical <coughs> design. And the guys in the, the Jetsons the were like, they have to make it look like a cool motorcycle first to get the idea accepted. Now, the bigger hurdle here is obviously clearing government bullshit um, and corporatist hurdles. They will also offer impressive power, allowing the roughly 300-pound speeder to carry six 
hundred pounds. The size to payload ratio that sets the speeder apart from other VTOL craft. The air cycle also has hand controls, a 12-inch navigation screen, and radio system. So that's pretty cool. They're, they're, they've got uh, another prototype, more intensive testing happening. And all of this Amazon is like, yeah. Drones too, right? I mean, if they're building yes. things, they can be automated, I'm sure. Yes. Not no, and I think, I think the, I, I, the next like engineering thing or one of the next engineering things that I think is being underestimated in this um, is, is going to be cables dropping down. Because these things are going to get big and loud and annoying like helicopters. As far as I can tell, I mean, they're, they're going to be a lot less than all helicopters, right? Not nearly as bad as helicopters. Um, but if you have a, a big one, it's going to be pushing a lot of air. Like there's, I, I, I think you can make them relatively quiet, right? But you can't avoid that this is an air thrust levitation system. You have to move air with a certain force. Yeah, and when one of the things about that, so if, if you have a drone that can carry your dishwasher, is that going to be a thing? Um, right. To, now, but, yeah. but if it can carry it to your front door, it's going to make some noise. It's going to blow some shit out of the way. D. Vincent W. Friends of my uncles who was in the Marines was Rhinus Arling, got a roach in his eye at nine miles per hour, wasn't wearing glasses. Yeah. 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 Fuck that. So I, I think the overall seagull, because you imagine that big cut the birds just yeah. they, they got those talons and the no, no. So I think it, you're gonna have even if you had a designated spot like say your house on the, the, the walkway connecting the sidewalk to your front door had a, a, an area that was designated as thick enough to hold parcels up to certain weight and width and you drew a little you know, yeah it's like a helipad for for drone delivery right or maybe there was a thing maybe there's some other similar system but I, you're this drone that can carry i think you're going to have one of those with multiple packages that drops uh, and and drops them you know on on multiple pads um there my predictions are just looking at, hey, these are some practical possibilities that are immediately technologically feasible. It would be nice if the government wasn't in the way, if current corporatism wasn't in the way. But either, even without them in the way, I'm not making these as predictions. Again, I'm presenting them as exciting possibilities on the horizon. And 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 I think I I hope this gives you something to look forward to, as well as motivation to get government out of the way to accelerate this process, or at least get get the hindrances off this process. Uh, because yeah, we would be we would be so far ahead. But ultimately, uh, when I put out these different possibilities, it's market forces and demand that are going to determine what form these technologies take. But the expectation, either way, we're, again, the expectation has to be here. Like we, you are going to be able to own a device that will take you from New York to LA. In a couple hours. In, in a couple hours, right? A few hours. That, that's electric, that you can control. Maybe, maybe it's, Different systems, I don't know, but within 10 years, you were going to have an expectation, just like there was this expectation, we're going to have flying cars by now from the Jetsons, right? You know, the, and, and back then, it wasn't an expectation like, oh, by now, it was just, oh my gosh, 
we can project that this is possible. Yeah. Some and and remember the Jetsons was like a hundred years in the future, like, right? Directors like legitimately study these technologies when they're making future-based movies, and they think, well, where could we possibly be? And a lot of times, the scientists and engineers get insight and ideas and inspiration from those movies to give us most of the technology we have today. So and, and I to Hollywood for that. You know, I think. Um, so there's there's some other related stories here in, in aviation on uh, robreport.com. Um, forget the chopper. This EVTOL uh, VTOL is styled like a flying sports car that parks in your garage. This new one-person electric aircraft will cost about the same as a luxury SUV. Like All these technologies are converging. This new one-person EVTOL is like an electric bike for the skies. Volocopters complete the first crewed EVTL flight in the U.S. At some point, I, I don't think they can suppress this technology. It's very exciting to see this on the horizon. And uh, this is going to revel like self-driving cars. I mean, I, 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 I'm sort of changing my opinion on this, okay? Because for a, a, quite a while, I thought, hey, we're going to get self-driving electric vehicles. You're going to be able to jump in and put them anywhere you want. I think this technology is going to kind of leapfrog that. I used to think that, hey, maybe we could get, uh, we, we could get uh, upgrade kits for internal combustion engine-based vehicles. And we could get them to uh, to be fully electric and swap out batteries and make them self-driving. And I'm thinking like that, like that's never going to be the widespread thing because it's not going to be practical compared to flying cars. And and it, it's gonna it's it's gonna come from uh, quadcopter technology. It's it's the convergence of the concept of the flying car that we have fantasized about so long with the drone. And it's like, we should have seen this like five, 10 years ago with the first quad covers and look at that and be like, Hey, let's make it bigger so we can carry people around. You're like, no shit. Duh. And this people have been thinking that and developing this for at least the last decade. And it's almost embarrassing that we're not further along with this in a practical way. But now it's like, okay, keep my fingers crossed. Two years, rich people are going to have cool, practical flying motorcycles. Five years, maybe everybody will have access to that technology. Ten years, it's going to be completely different. So I, I'm going to connect this um, uh, psychic taxi on Twitch. I want that's and I want an anti grav unit. We'll get there. You'll get there. But, no, but for no, now, again, we can be there and perform for regulations. Think about it. Like we we absolutely have this technology. If you didn't get stopped. Yeah. I mean, it's you have to get grants and permission and and authorization to even research. Okay, but here's here's in some instances. It's, so it's here's ridiculous. one practical implication of this, Joy. Have you have you considered the implications for housing? Flying houses? No. Well, I guess that's that would be a thing. RVs, flying know. RVs. You have a flying RV. Why not? No, but that's not where I was Rain going with this. Docking it. stations. Just, you have a flying RV. How many people live mobile? But like, why not? It would just get big enough. Why not? Why not make your house just big and make it bigger and have like eventually, you could have a whole house on, on on a well. I don't know. You'd be pushing a lot of air out of the way and fucking up a lot of things. Probably not going that direction. That's not what I was getting at, Joey. But 
that you could have a house built anywhere on earth and not worry about roads. Ooh. Remember where yeah. we're going, we're not going to need roads. Yeah, yeah, you could, you could, you could fly your materials to virtually anywhere. You wouldn't even have to land if you had the the, cable the crane concept. cable drop concept. Yeah, Jim Freedom, cloud steady. <laughs> Yeah, no, hypothetically, Jim. Yeah, oh my gosh. Hypothetically, more likely than flying homes around. No, think about this. Hypothetically, what if we could have a house that hovered half a mile above the earth yeah. and was able to power itself enough with so well? I guess, yeah, you know what, though? It would be balloon, it would be dirigible based. I don't think that's ever going to be practical. That sounds. Crazy. It's not, but, but rich people could do it, and that you might do it. Be Someone's going to experiment with it. I, even if I could just get no, I want to see. I want to live grounded. I think I, I I think there's as long as we're in these biological bodies that are products of nature. Like I want my feet in the dirt every we, day. We have to, you know. Healthy disrespect brings. There's up really not much oxygen up there. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, so having been to fourteen thousand feet in Colorado, it's uh. No, it's hard to breathe. So if you get any higher than that with your house. But what if every RV was instead of a wheeled vehicle was like a dirigible with a quadcopter built in, you know, that that might be the evolution of RVs. And then think about this. You don't need campgrounds. You just park in like the you can have absolute privacy like parking in crazy out there places and then you could build homes in those places and you would not be you could you could escape government regulation without being isolated because you'd have these quadcopters that could go everywhere and you'd have a mesh net that connects everything what's your objection because when you get up to the mountains where people haven't settled because they can't like there's just this pure energy it's this invigorating like, more humans are now going to enjoy that no, already no, that's very limited no 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 there will with the earth we're going to do the same thing up there that we did down no. here there'll be a lot of one the technology is going to be inherently greener and more efficient these but two reserved for, like, the most no. sacred of monks back in the day like they were the only ones who could go up there because they were the only ones who could physically handle it and no you're I, making I, a luddite I, argument against using technology to have better widely available access to nature so your argument about no, overuse, yeah, yeah, but it's not even a thing for a lot. We're going to destroy it. We're going to build a house there, and we're going to destroy it. How are we going to destroy it? By building houses. So our houses are going to be flown in and earth ship and more go. efficient and totally green. Yeah, and now they're, they're going to be more spread out and off grid. Okay. And people yeah, are going to have the technology. Yeah, but people are going to have the technology to have the equivalent of Eden pods, where the, all their food just comes out of a box but it's perfect and organic right but it's it's not not cheap and it's not practical yet the the quadcopter technology to move shit around this is complete geographical liberation from the constraints of internal combustion engines and roads on the surface of the earth and all of the government restraints that go along with that eventually will also fall away just everybody be nice when we get up there because it's beautiful just be nice you mean up here see here joey we are i i chose this property 
So, I Five mean, years when ago, people start flying to 10,000 feet where normally you can't build houses efficiently or practically. In the mountains. In the, in the, yeah. Like, those are beautiful spots that have not been touched and destroyed by man. And the people who are up there worked for it and are working with the land because it's a lot of fucking work. And if it gets so easy to get up there, I don't want it looking like East L.A., at 10,000 feet just because we have the ability to build cities. Like, wouldn't the hierarchy, the government want to put, you know, the poor... I think cities will be a thing of the past. I really hope so. Here's, here's So think about, think about this, Joey. Cities exist because of incentives to live geographically in, proxim- in very close proximity to other human beings. <clears throat> if we have complete physical, spatial, geographical travel freedom, you can have a factory where a thousand people work and they fly in their quadcopters to a big parking lot and then they all fly off and their commute is a gorgeous flight, 30 minutes, and they're super dispersed. They don't have to drive on clogged freeways to the suburbs where they're competing to be as close to the factory and the and the bar and the theater and the stadium and all that bullshit as possible. And the government money fountain. The world is heading to a beam me up, Scotty. Not yet, but no, the, it's this complete geographical freedom. It's going to make cities obsolete. It's going to make the world a much greener place. It's going to. So, I what I was getting at here, Joey, is that I was limited in my choice of this property based on certain pragmatic accessibility issues. Right? I like to say I'm down three miles of private dirt road, and that's a pretty cool thing for a lot of reasons i'm not going to get into it because i could rant about that for an hour ever but i also had to have the balance of well we're about 45 minutes from a grocery store well we're a little more than an hour to a walmart and 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 a home depot quadcopter drone delivery makes all of that irrelevant lots of considerations how many more places become livable now that we're just like this but they, why is this community here? It's the, it's the intersection of the 40 and the 89. If it wasn't that, living here would not be practical. All of those geographical constraints mostly melt away with quadcopters and drone technology being widely adopted. And government is fighting that. All, a lot of people, everybody who has an interest in the status quo, not just auto companies, but so here's when, they, they, they are fighting this. Here's what's to be scared of when government stops fighting its production. It's because of this reason that D. Vincent W. is bringing up on YouTube. Self-driving cars eliminate freedom while driving. The skill of driving will be a thing of the past, and they pull right over for the police. Not that I would run, but it's one of the automatic... So, so, so there is like, a challenge I'm there, yeah. i of the fifth element where Bruce Willis is driving around. They just they stop his flying cab. You're fucked. You're done. You are completely owned... And that idea is terrifying. So, yeah, when the government starts going along with this, I'm going to definitely, and all of you should too, question why and make sure that that. Yes, there's a new frontier of fighting that control. However, I still think the technology here is so fundamentally empowering. I mean, you'll be able to out, like, first of all, when they're automated, you won't be able to get pulled over. Like this was the exciting thing for me about self-driving cars. 50% or something like that of police interactions in the United States happen at traffic stops. Well, you can't pull people over if they're not driving your own, their own cars. Yeah. Like the drug war, like and the drug war kind of goes away. No, but all cars are perfectly safe driving now. Like yeah. you just, you don't need 
the human oversight of police overseeing other humans driving for safety. That whole excuse of prying into your life and interfering with your right to travel goes the fuck away. That's huge. Think about that. Like with, with and a lot, all of these, all of these, if they're government approved devices, and if they're not government approved, they're going to be like, like my vehicles here, pirate vehicles that, you know, you're just off, fucking off the radar, but they're so fast. Like what is government going to be able to stop me driving around my neighborhood? I mean, maybe in some futuristic way with room. I don't know. I don't think so though, because all of this is so empowering for decentralization that, that and, 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 and just general human empowerment. If you can, it, as all of these technologies become faster, cheaper, more readily available, next thing you know, your $2,000 monthly government stimulus check buys you a quadcopter like this. The next one buys you, uh, a, the, the, you know, a, a down payment on a fully self-sustaining uh, helicopter dropped house. And the next one gets you a piece of land because now land is super cheap because you can do this on land that's super remote and you're connected to the internet without any monthly bill because it's a mesh net and it's all powered by solar or some other even next level green energy source. That's what's on the horizon is that everything that we need to practically live healthy and supportive bodies and you're going to have 3D printers. You're going to have the ability to do whatever drugs you want in privacy and get mental health uh, healing and services through psychedelics and access to cannabis. All of these things are going to be superfluous in such a way that I'm not afraid of government in that world. Because you go to like that fifth element scenario, you think about what psychological control and fear was necessary for that government to exist with that brutality. I think that goes away too. I mean, maybe it's all part of the fear mongering, right? To slow it down. Exactly. That's that's all I can do. It's all this progress is you should fear technology because these bad things can happen. But yeah, if you sit back and you really think about it, well, you've heard that prevents a lot of those things from being able to happen. So you've heard that necessity is the mother invention, which brings us to our next headline from Newsweek. Man charged for flying helicopter to Dairy Queen for ice cream cake. I told you, food copters, taco copters, dropping food out of the sky. Yeah, but now this is it. A helicopter pilot hoping to satiate cravings for ice cream cake by landing directly outside of Dairy Queen got a sour surprise last week when the Royal Canadian Mounted Police charged up on their yaks and surrounded him and then lassoed him and and hogtied him and took him to the uh the 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 great stampede the uh you know the these things are in the art oh no sorry charged him with making an illegal landing the unnamed pilot who was licensed to legally operate the helicopter not to land it outside the tisdale saskatchewan ice cream shop was charged with one count of dangerous operation of an aircraft on August 4th, according to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police release. The landing taking place in a high-traffic parking lot was made around 5 p.m. on July 31st. The helicopter blew up dust and debris through the area, which includes schools, an aquatic center, and more. What a dick. After the helicopter landed, a passenger immediately got out and quickly headed to the Dairy Queen to purchase the ice cream cream. While no details were released concerning the identity of passenger, RCMP said the pilot is a three-year-old man who lives in Leroy, Saskatchewan, which is located about 65 miles away from the Dairy Queen. 
Leroy does not have its own Dairy Queen location. Well, then this is this is clearly Dairy Queen's fault. This reminds me of so the dealership, the Toyota dealership that I did my internship at when I was sixteen. We would, I, I'm 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 in the shop one day, and a helicopter sounds like it's coming down on our building, and everybody runs out of the shop, and there's a legitimately a helicopter landing on the other side of Route 40 and in, in in on the East Coast. Uh, there were the two dealership owners were scuffling with each other for years because of somebody's wife, ex-wife, something. I don't know the story, but the guy would land the helicopter during work hours consistently just to be a dick and interfere with the business of, of the shop across the street. But he's landing on his own property and couldn't get charged for it. Like this poor man at the Dairy Queen. But yeah, it is. It's kind of a dick move to to land your helicopter. We're gonna we're gonna figure out a a way to peacefully moderate with the technology, not pulling dick moves. But yes, um, that's like again the the skirt. I call it the skirt because it looks like a skirt, but it's the actual engineering term for such a piece of fairing, right? It would be a skirt. And it would actually be a round skirt that would look like a, a dress skirt, but like a skirt around a a Hell or a you know quadcopter blade array or an octocopter array like uh something that mitigates the noise and the over but there's no way to avoid like with the, this technology the blow of that force so great Matt doesn't look very busy there yeah I was saying it wasn't that much of a dick move <laughs> but it's still a dick move it's more like it's okay it's a mild mild dick move a- all right. We got, well, now we're going to go through some it. fast good news stories. We got our guests joining us in a few minutes here. New York Post, record-breaking oldest female power lifter granny is turning 100. This Sunday, Florida resident Edith Murway Trainer will become one of the strongest centenarians on earth. The 99-year-old's birthday milestone comes just shy of two years after the great-great-grandmother hit another when she was 98 years old, the Tampa resident became the world's oldest power lifter, according to Guinness World Records. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, fuck, I need to start making kids because I'm 39. There are people That's my age who are grandparents. Female power lifter, yeah. The oldest power lifter. Yeah. So in September 2019, Murway Trainer broke the record for oldest power lifter by hulking upward of 150 pounds. Her achievement is marked in the 2022 edition of the Guinness World Records book out next month. They're coming out with the 2022 edition four months before. It's, come on. We can do the timing better than that. Murway, I guess it's more about sales. Murway Trainer, they still sell a lot of those books. Murway Trainer was a spry 91 years old when she first decided to take up the sport and spite after her first visit to the gym with a friend. Now, that's wow. actually more interesting. Wow. That she's only been doing this for, for eight years, I guess nine years at this point. That's, I mean, right? to even be motivated to... To do anything at that age, let alone start power start powerlifting. Not like kick powerlifting back up again. Something you did when you were a kid. Just I think what's going to be really cool to see, though, what this gives me hope for. And here's something I'll make as a prediction: like you're going to see a way because the modern fitness movement. I mean, men have been strength training for as long as there have been men, for right? History, but yes. to have it. it the the combination of modern nutritional reliability and modern weight training equipment 
and understanding of physiology. Those are relatively new phenomena that have that have accelerated to an incredible degree just over the last, I mean, you could say 100 years, but even like 60 years, 50 years, right? Um, but really 100 years, the modern era of fitness where those big, you had reliable access to whatever, at least some people had reliable access to whatever food they wanted, right? Uh, we, we had a modern scientific understanding of diet and nutrition. Um, anyway, you get, you get my point. All these yeah, things kind of go back like a hundred years. It's like even even twenty years ago, it was difficult for me to control my diet with 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 my Crohn's, but because I couldn't talk. It was to limited. Other we we take it for granted. Just stop and take it for granted that most people on Earth now. Is it most people on earth? I don't know. Maybe we're not there yet, but pretty soon at least. Access to, the Access to a grocery store. Most people do. I mean, more people die of um, of overeating than starvation. Okay. Well, there's still a lot of, there's still a big part of the human population whose food choices are limited by logistics, right? Severely limited, let's say. Because our, and, and Joey, you and me, we're 45 minutes from a Walmart or from, from Safeway, excuse me. Like our choices are for like what we put in our bodies. Yeah, it's limited by what they carry the Safeway, but we go to farmer's markets. It's basically unlimited. What we decide to yeah. eat, it's, it's up to us, right? That has not been a thing for most of human history. Yeah. Like 99.999% okay, of human history was pre-internal combustion engine, was pre-modern food distribution networks. Like, you eating an orange sitting here in Arizona 100 years ago. Like, yeah. nope, you're not getting an orange. It's not going to fucking happen unless you've got thousands and hundreds of all the resources that you need so, to get the orange here. It's not happening. The fact that now the human, massive numbers of the human body, like, I like to think that I'm special being about 40 years old and having lived in this era my whole life and kind of like last generation of combat veterans, last people who grew up without the internet, but were still healthy, you know, and now I'm, I'm almost 40. And I think about, you know, Rob Lowe's character from Parks and Rec, where he's like, well, scientists say that uh, the, the first person to live to be 150 has already been born today. And I plan to be that person. It's like, yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Like I'm, I'm 40. I feel young. Like I understand there are certain limitations. I understand I'm propped up by modern medicine and, and, and vitamins. I take a fuck ton of vitamins. Like that's a big deal for me. Like even do it. Do I need to throw off my trays? No, trays no. Um, but like, I, I think, it's, no, it's, I remember as a kid, like my, my friends, like parents and stuff, when people turn 40, like it was, they don't look like us. They if you took look my like body, look, if you, it's not because people didn't want to be healthy. They didn't know how to. Right, and it, it wasn't practical. They were they were concerned with surviving and just living happy, right? But if you took my body, and I think about the, uh, you think you think about the ads for, um, you know, Charles Atlas type shit. I mean, I kind of want to look this up. Like, uh, what year? But like, free steroids, even men, right? Um, you look at the images of Charles Atlas. He was like thought of as the epic bodybuilder. And, and that was like, he, the ads, this was 1974 advertisement for strength training, like rubber bands. And like, I'm way buffer than this dude. Like if you put my body just back in like, Free Arnold. When was Arnold Schwarzenegger? Like seventies, right? Yeah, late seventies. If you put me in a in a in a bodybuilding contest in the fifties, 
I would probably win. Like, I, I hope I'm not bragging saying that. Like, but no, I mean, so, but and and my point is, just from just from the 1950s to 1960s, my body went from being holy fucking shit, that's exceptional, to not that special. I go to most gyms today. I might be the best built guy at the gym, but not at a serious bodybuilding gym. I go to Anytime Fitness. Most of the time I go to Anytime Fitness, I'm the best built guy there, but not by much. And occasionally there's a guy who's better built than me. I go to, a, you know, any kind of, you know, hardcore or gold's gym or something like that. There's usually two or three dudes better built than me. That's fucking nuts. Think about what, so me today being at the sort of like this peak male fitness, you know, perfect male physique or whatever close to it, right? Not special anymore. Think about 50 years from now, or 60 years from now, I turn 100. This is what what's inspiring about this story to me is when when our generation, Joey, turns 100, we're, we're going to, like, I'm looking at this old lady in this story, uh, you know, who's, who's, like, incredible by today's standards, and I'm thinking, like, nah, 20 years from now, this is going to be the norm. Yeah. Like, and, and, and I say this not to denigrate her achievement, her achievement being unusual now is more special for being unusual, but you cannot point this out without saying, yeah, this is going to be no big deal in 10 years. This is going to be, this is going to be in, in, in 20 years, you're going to look at her and be like, she's, man, what a fat out of shape hundred year old. This progress in and of itself. Government. Government and healthy disrespect brings up what year did the government start pimping the food pyramid, which is totally unhealthy. Slowed it down. Well, th this is where I think down, of like, like human progress is sort of unstoppable. Right? Illegal, herbal supplements were yeah. for a long time. Like cannabis, can well, health from us. Mental health, so psychedelics. Mental health, psychedelics. Yeah, it's, and 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 once we open those floodgates, you're right. It's going to be the norm to yeah. The the average health person should look like this lady. Yeah. In a few generations. Well, we do have a weed story, but for now, our we we took a long time talking about flying motorcycles. So uh, no. let's yeah, no. uh, let's get to Bethany, ladies and gentlemen. Our guest now is Bethany Hill to give us an update. You can keep Joey on for this one. Joey knows Bethany. Um, we want an update here on what's going on with We Are the Seventy Four and the fight for cannabis freedom in Mississippi. So, uh, how's it going, Bethany? It's actually going pretty good. Um, so, from what we keep hearing, I should say. Um, so, of course, at this point, what the House is working on is going to have to go to the governor before we get to see it. Um, it's 100 pages. Are these the rumors? It's 100 pages. It um, actually mirrors a lot of different cannabis legislations that had went through um, that never made it. So, it's like taking the good pieces out of every puzzle and putting them on this new bill. Um, they were on the ninth version um, last week already. Um, well, this, so, on, this sounds, correct me if I'm wrong, but this sounds like a bit of a bait and switch almost like, hey, we let you vote for medical. We denied that because we realized that it was undeniable. So we're going to have we're going to have our we're going to have your state representatives <laughs> ride to the rescue and save the day with a bill. Dun, da, 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 and now you can have confidence in your politicians and oh. then they're going to give you <laughs> instead of the medical bill that was was OK. Right. By the the the. Uh, Prop 65 that was voted for by 74%. Uh, 
you're going to end up with a sort of more corporatized, uh, controlled, permitted, licensed, very limited version that comes out of the legislature. Is that a fair summary? Um, of course, that is the thing that we all worry about. Um, but to a certain extent, our hands are almost tied. They are going to take action. So we really just have to be ready to figure out what they're after what they they do what we're going to do after that so if this bill is not uh almost a perfect mirror or at least all the great things that 65 was of course we are not going to be happy about that um we're going to be super critical of this bill i'm going to dissect it line by line um we are going to keep fighting for the right thing no matter what so i just hope that they're doing it right (laughs) this is a huge delay too if you think about the process right because when when was prop 65 voted on it was last november right yeah and we were actually supposed to be issuing licenses in july already so it should have been a thing by now oh yeah denying it means it's not and then coming in with this distraction if you don't if if the fight shifts if you as a movement as as the the mississippi pro cannabis movement as a whole is now distracted instead of fighting for Prop 65 to just be acknowledged and approved, you might get sucked into a legislative battle of picking this apart that could go on for a few, they could they could drag out for, I don't think more than two election cycles, but it could easily go two years and then that starts the new rollout that's two years and, right? Exactly. And it's almost like they've entrapped us in a certain way and the loophole um, that they left themselves um, about the congressional districts. I mean, they knew what they were doing. Um, they knew that our hands would be tied to a certain extent. Um, but I think that after the last few months and them seeing how many people have came together and been willing to fight and how hard we're willing to fight, I'm hoping they are compelled to do the right thing. But as a state, we are not going to sit back. Um, if this Mm. is not what we ask for, if this is not what we want, if this is not what we need for our patients, they will know about it. And we're going to do everything we can to fix everything that they screwed up. So I got to ask then, too, you know, what is the state of your organization after the turmoil that we were discussing last time? And, and really, what is the state of the movement? And, you know, what, what would you want strategically to happen in regards with these now sort of two options? And how prepared is the movement to, to fight to address it all? Oh, yeah. So it's been a hectic few weeks, of course. I know I haven't talked to you guys in a couple weeks. Um, so there are four board members that are still very active. We're all working really hard to get everything back online. We were trying to do a rally this Saturday, but we've had to postpone it to Labor Day weekend. Um, everything is um, a, was a little chaotic, but we're actually getting it back on track. So we've been working really hard behind the scenes to get everything done. Um, just like as far as like, um, the official nonprofit stuff, finishing everything that didn't get completed, things like that, like just tasks like that. But then, um, apparently, um, a lot of people are coming down with COVID. So a lot of people are out of commission right now. Um, so we're still trying to keep everything together. Um, Um, Can I, can I, can I, I I got a sidebar on this, since you mentioned COVID there, not only because it's relevant, but now since I got here and out of my bigger curiosity, let's do it. Yeah, when you say people are coming down with COVID, uh, we know to some degree that that's false positives. We know to some degree that 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 there is a hyperactive response to a positive test that is possibly more harmful than the disease. We know 
that there's a lot of manipulation around this. But we also know that it is a real disease, um, that, it, that the Delta variant, it's seen, and I, I don't know, I don't want to say we know for sure this, but it seems to be a real thing that is really hurting people, that is actually sending, that, that it is like a funky off-season flu that should be respected as such a biological threat, um, and that it affects uh, overweight and elderly disproportionately, as would be expected. Um, and and Mississippi does have a tendency for for obesity and have issues with that and some vulnerabilities. Um, so when you say that people are coming down with COVID, how much of that is is real versus ginned up? Can you you know can you can you weigh out some of those dynamics? And is this being used then? Can you connect it to the the cannabis fight? Like, is the legislature using this as the excuse to not meet or get shit done? Or that actually, that's a good question. Um, not so much the legislation, uh, uh, the legislators, um, but like uh, we were hearing that Biloxi had had to shut down Walmart, that they were dealing with a COVID outbreak. Um, some oh, people wow. that were down in that area. Um, so that's why we canceled the rally. Well, um, if you shut down a Walmart, that's got to You shut down a Walmart in Mississippi. In Mississippi. We don't be like, <laughs> like an invasion. <laughs> yeah. Or an asteroid. Just, or, I mean, I. There's, who was that? I think Nate Bargatze tells a joke like I was at a Walmart and there was a fire and they didn't even close down the Walmart. In fact, the rest of the Walmart stayed open and they put out the fire and people, employees on the other side of the Walmart didn't even know there was a fire. In fact, half of the customers there thought, oh, Walmart sells fire now. Oh, OK. They just Walmart has to well, the Walmart must go on. Um, and especially that's a pretty in Mississippi, they shut down a Walmart for a COVID outbreak. That's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I was like, OK, so it was just one thing after another. So we were like, you know, we were trying to repair some of the stuff that hadn't been done that we thought had been done. As far as like the organization, we had to move the location. We had to change the town uh, because permits hadn't been done and things like that. So we were kind of just trying our best to just get it done. So I'm really excited that we're pushing it back to Labor Day weekend. We're looking at it as a positive thing um, because there have been so many bridges that we've had to repair over the last couple of weeks. We haven't been able to focus on this rally mm. and we kind of want to see what the legislators are going to do because this is going to be one of our biggest rallies to date um, yeah. and hopefully one of our largest. So well, I kind of want to give the legislators time to get their thing out and then that way we know our mission when we go to this rally. Well, so uh, is do you think it's possible for Mississippi to pull a South Dakota on cannabis where they skipped medical and went straight, straight to recreational. If the legislature wants to step in and, and, and be the, the hero in this, then is, is there a position that the movement can take there and be like, well, then guess what motherfuckers, you yeah. know, you're going to full, full recreational and you can fuck around with licensing. We'll, we'll grant you that, but you need medical and super, nah, there's no look at the rest of the country. Fuck that. No, 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 no. You don't do this. You don't get reelected. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I think that with the way that the whole state was like, this is BS. We can't deal with this. Um, I think that they really decided that they had to get their shit together. And I think that there has been a lot of talk and acceptance for recreational because most states 
um, do end up going recreational or yeah. end up um, becoming very lenient on their medical within just a couple of years. And right. there are things that are supposed to be included in this that never were in some of the other ones like home grow for patients, um, things like that, that the legislators are talking about, uh, recreational, um, cheaper tax rates for medical patients, different things. So, I mean, there are some good you know, ideas in there, but 65 had a lot of good ideas. And so did some other legislation like Harper Grace's law, uh, House Bill 119. Um, that so, came out a few years ago. Yeah, I, I hope you can find, I mean, you have friend, you have cannabis friendly legislators in Mississippi, right? Oh, yeah. do, you, do you have one you think who would be either or guts, I want to say gutsy enough or, yeah, or, or smart enough to play this angle Someone who could be the hero of the Mississippi cannabis movement by by proposing the line in the sand straight to recreational legislation. Yeah, and I'm hoping um, I, we actually have lobbying days, you know, that starts in January. And I'm hoping that we could even get recreational on um, something working in January if it doesn't go with this one. Um, now, I can't speculate too much on it because I just haven't been able to get my hands on it. Um we won't get to see what they're working on until the governor gets to see it. And then a special session will be called and so on and so forth. Um, but if this is the legislators trying to step up and fix what the Supreme Court overturned, kudos. We need people that are going to fight for that because that's what the hell we've been fighting for for three months. Um, our ballot initiative process is still in danger. That's not over. Mm, this, yeah, right. Our patients need medical cannabis. That's why we talk about it constantly. It is so important and they deserve it uh, and they need it desperately. Um, so the faster we can get the law changed where they're not criminals, if we can make it where they're not criminals tomorrow in this state, why not? Um, you know, people want us just to hate these legislators and not even speak to them. I'm sorry. That's their job is to do this stuff. We need to tell them what we want. We have to. Um, and the fact is they haven't had people telling them what we want or making them listen to what we want. And that's where we come in. And that's where we're not going to stop. Yay. We get medical cannabis. Everything goes great. We get recreational. Wonderful. There are other things that are really important that we can't let them keep screwing up. Yeah. You guys have a big fight there. Yeah. With, I don't know, did we, did, does everybody remember what's going on in, in Mississippi? Because we didn't. We I guess, yeah, basic reminder is that yeah. Prop 65, which was voted on last cycle with the general election, was voted for by 74% of the voters and then denied by the state Supreme Court. And so we are the 74 came together to say we are the 74 who voted for this as the leading activist group. And it's brilliant messaging, great angle. And I think playing that reminding i think even if this fight completely like it might be a good thing in the long run i hate to i hate to be you know at the risk of sounding overly optimistic that because they fucked it up at this point and denied the will of the 74 that they end up having to be like oh well face the fucking music everybody this is where the country's at do you really you're going to be on the wrong side of history now and keep mississippi a national embarrassment of a backwater politically fuck you and you get to do this you know leapfrog of medical and actually go potentially to uh, a sort of relatively clean and fair recreational cannabis system 
And I, I'm a total believer in recreational. Um, I believe all cannabis use is medical, even if the user is aware of it or not. Um, so and the government I, has no right to say what is and isn't medical. Oh, hey, Joey. Hi. I guess we lost our video. We Did we lose her completely? Yeah, definitely right. not connected. So uh oh. All right. Well, that was a. I mean, we were kind of wrapping up. That was really good. What's the? I mean, I guess we are There's the seventy-four. No she says she's still working on all that stuff, but I think it's important to remind the audience that this technicality that they keep overthrowing these ballot initiatives on is an easy fix for the let for for the the state to 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 handle. And when they do pull this technicality out of their pocket, they pick and choose the issues. Like some things go through and there's no problems and other things like the cannabis oh, issues. She's back. All right. The back spot while the sponsors pick the issues. All right. Uh, well, Bethany, uh, what's, what's the best way for people to support y'all connect with you online right now? Um, our Facebook page is still up. We are still working on getting all of our other social medias up. Unfortunately, we have to, redo our website and everything um we weren't able to keep it um so we've got to redo that uh so facebook right now is the best way um we're going to be releasing a whole bunch of content um trying to help people get ready for the rally as that goes forward with all the information so we're just going to keep our eye on the prize and as soon as we find out anything about anything we're going to let them know <laughs> yep all right well we are the 74 on well, facebook and hey, uh, and Mississippi Cannabis News Network launched. Uh, by the way, Good. we've got a few shows up. Check it out. <laughs> Excellent. Congratulations. Uh, anything else, Bethany? Love to we have appreciate you on. your work. Thank you so much for joining us today. Anytime. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to have both you guys on some of our shows on that. Um, I love you guys so much. You Thank you for everything you're doing for the people. Um, seriously, anytime you guys need anything, let me know. All right. Well, well hopefully, yeah, let's love go, you guys go back see. to Mississippi. Yeah, Yay. for the next big civil disobedience rally, I want to go back to Mississippi. We're just something. We're just something at the, at the Capitol. When this, it, it, I, I actually like see the 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 transition of this to a legislative based fight uh, or process rather uh, does allow for the pushing of of rallies and civil disobedience, and hopefully. Um, we, we've killed COVID by then in Mississippi, but yeah, it wasn't a problem when we were there last time. So, yeah. No, we're all good. I was at a Rocky Mountain Oak Foundation banquet last night and last Thursday, huge banquets. Um, I'm a volunteer with RMEF and um, we have our two banquets uh, this time of year and we, yeah, we were fun. Everybody's fine. People are over it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, over it. yeah. All right. Mwah. Thank you, Bethany. Mwah, guys. Love you guys. Bye. All right, so I don't. We want to go to our let's skip ahead a little bit to our cannabis story since we're on the subject. I'm gonna be so stoned by the end of today's episode. Uh, Inverse.com scientists discover the ancient birthplace of marijuana, and it's it's really interesting. The story talks a lot about the challenges with uh, modern day cannabis and prohibition, you know, limiting the study of this in a way that a lot of the plants that we know about scientifically are a lot easier to study because they're not fucking illegal. Um, but one of the co-authors of, of this study for the University of Lausanne's Laboratory for Conservation Biology told Inverse Cannabis is one of the first cultivated crop species. Ooh. And uh, look at that. Yeah. Um, look at that. Well, one of the interesting things about this that they're figuring out, the story says the cultivation 
of marijuana has much longer roots than we previously understood, according to the study, including evidence that our cultivation of pot may have led to the extinction of pure wild ancient strains of cannabis. So they studied 110 genomes of cannabis sativa, specifically using molecular analysis, next generation DNA sequencing. Next generation is from Star Trek, next generation. Um, so according to Fumagili, the uh, Fumag- Fumagali, the name of the, the author. Uh, so with the title, Mr. Fumagali. <laughs> so they had four categories that they broke cannabis down into, basal cannabis, this group is sister to all other cannabis categories, including all human-grown or cultivated hemp and psychoactive cannabis in the world. It includes wild plants and traditional cannabis hybrids, known as land races found in modern China. Two, hemp. This group includes all hemp varieties found around the world. Hemp is a variety of cannabis sativa that is distinguished from other strains by its lower levels of THC, THC um, and not typically considered a drug traditionally used to make fiber for clothing and other materials. Three, the first group of drug cannabis. This group includes wild strains with drug-like properties, similar to marijuana from China, India, and Pakistan, as well as one cultivated variety from India. The second group of drug cannabis, this group includes varieties of cannabis with drug-like properties that have been cultivated around the world. So they, they, they're able to map these. Marijuana in there. They're doing this. Yeah, the seems like unscientific. Me, I did want to point out too, because somebody in the comment feed yesterday, while Dean and Curtis were on, said, uh, "You know, uh, marijuana and hemp aren't the same." Yes, they are. It's it's cannabis. The government gave those names based on ridiculous reasons that make no sense scientifically, and, and everything's the cannabis plant. It just does it. It depends on how it's grown and how it's taken care. Oh. So, yeah, subspecies, right? Strains, it's all the same fundamental species, right? But here's some interesting takeaways from this. The origin uh, can be traced to East Asia, including parts of modern-day China, challenging previous research, saying that Central Asia or Afghanistan was more the biological origin. So the idea of Afghan Kush, we should now be saying, like, Qing Dynasty Kush. I, I don't know. I couldn't think of something funnier. Quickly, if it was Kush. Right? And it may have been um, the origin, and by the time it made it to... Why are some other completely Chinese sounding was... words? The split <laughs> between ancient basal cannabis and modern cultivated cannabis occurred roughly 12,000 years ago. That places cannabis in the distinguished categories of one of the first cultivated crops on Earth. Oh, These wow. early cultivated cannabis crops formed separate hemp and drug cannabis groups only about 4,000 years ago. So that's very interesting. It makes you wonder, I I would suspect that the earlier use of of cannabis was probably more for food with seeds and and leaves that are edible rather than, and and, and perhaps five, and I guess 12,000 years ago, fiber, I mean, you can make rope very easily right rolling between your hands but even then who knows if they had even very very minimal trichomes which is the physical part of the plant that holds the thc and little 
crystal balls. And I'm, I'm not exaggerating. They look like little crystal balls on little crystal stems sticking out of parts of the like buds and the leaves Seuss of the plant. Yeah. Right. Look, look, if you haven't looked at, if you haven't taken, if you've never looked at cannabis, like close up, Google Go to some, my channel. I've got like, I've got like five videos right there. Yeah. Every time I do a strain, there's, there's a microscopic view. It, it looks wild. Or just Google it's trichome. And that's like chrome without the R's. Tri, C-H- O-M-E, trichome. So like trichome would be like how it's how it would be phonetically pronounced, but trichomes, just Google trichome and you'll see um, these amazing pictures. Who knows, even with that very early primitive cannabis, you could make finger hash. If you had a field of it, wouldn't be a big deal to take a whole plant and very, even if it's very slowly, roll it in your hands and you get the goo. And this is why you think of traditional uh, use of hashish as an Afghan phenomena, right? Uh, so these this date coincides with the first appearance of fiber artifacts in East Asia, which spread west to Europe. Fiber from hemp is a popular source of clothing, food, and oil. I have to come back in recent years. I forgot about the oil potential. Although I, I doubt that oil was being pressed or Right. I don't know. Maybe I'm being un unfairly skeptical of primitive humans. I we were we're smarter than people, and we we are smarter than we give ourselves credit for. Well, one of the interesting things is we think of cannabis as ancient, but even then, if you go back twelve, it's only twelve thousand years. That's, that's a lot of years. I mean, that, but compared to two hundred thousand so. for modern humans. It's still relatively recent, yeah. but then the blip of it being illegal. But they're talking about the cultivation of it. Twelve thousand. No, the cultivation came. Yeah, the cultivation. The very 12, start. Well, even then, this is very limited. This to to a relatively small part of the human population. Humans spread first without cultivated hemp into a lot of areas where hemp was not. But in the last uh, three thousand years, they say the psychoactive cannabis spread from East Asia to India. In the last thousand years. The drug reached Latin America and Africa, didn't get to North America until much more recently, around the beginning of the 20th century. So Native Americans coming across the land bridge from China did not bring cannabis, allegedly, at least according to our current understanding. So I don't know. There's a lot more fun stuff you get into this. Um, but obviously, the, at the time, it was a multi-purpose crop, as they say, food, fiber, medicine recreational um until four thousand years ago when it started to undergo strong artificial selection for either fiber or cannabinoid synthesis so that was that's interesting too so twelve thousand years ago we took it from nature as multi-purpose four thousand years ago we started splitting off the getting high from the industrial uses and kept those but then with the modern Remember again, what was it? Happen? Was the paper industry right? Mm -hmm. Tips that marijuana causes pacifism and communist brainwashing. Harry Anslinger. Harry Anslinger. Yeah, yeah, like nineteen thirteen is really when the whole war on the whole cannabis plant, hemp and marijuana, if you want to call it that. But the psychoactive cannabis and the the functional cannabis, like nineteen thirteen. It's it's we're only a hundred years into just destroying this thing we've been using for 12,000 years like that's a problem think about that where are the environmentalists on this so check this out back to our headlines we're gonna get through some fun fast ones here newsweek.com woman finds abandoned 1900 cellar with 
uh, beneath her new apartment filled with food. Yeah, an abandoned cellar dating back to the 1900s. She was renovating an apartment at the back of a thrift store that she was putting in um, to to this old retail space. Pulled up the flooring and uh, appeared to be patterned linoleum with a ring pull handle on one end. I mean, like almost, you know, ancient American stuff, right? The old wooden steps covered in dust and debris led down to a door partially blocked by piles of dirt. So, um, yeah, her video now has six and a half million views and, uh, apparently it was jammed shut, but, um, so she went back to the cellar, second video, and she, uh, unearthed this, dug out the floor and found shelves lined with jars and tins, cardboard boxes filled with cans. So pretty cool. Very interesting to see if they, uh, you know, get into this a little bit more and actually research it. But cool to think that you can, we live in a world where you can still discover treasures like this. Earlier this week, Joey shared this in the Producers Club from EarthlyMission.com. You remember this one? Ferret that died in 1988 yeah, is creepy. brought back to life by scientists. What is this? Why did you share this? Because it's creepy. Because like 2020 and the murder hornets and the COVID and the, and now we're bringing ferrets back to life. Like this is, I don't, why? So that we can keep humans alive longer. What if nature doesn't want that though? Nature doesn't want, great, nature doesn't want, you know, you are nature. Is what you want. Nature against, wants to live okay, longer. So at what point are we crossing a line of an aggressive act towards nature because we're defying it when we're playing God? Like, I don't that's think that's possible. You, you, you're, 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 you, you have to define those terms because they all seem like artificial constructs. I, nature, you are nature. You, Joey, you are nature. Right. You're making a Luddite argument. And like a blade of grass or a tree, I have a beginning and an end. And my purpose in the middle is why I'm part of nature. And if I cut that short or extend that, then I'm being nature and I have no right to be nature. You are nature. You, you, no one else has a I'm right to be I'm dictating nature. nature. I, but, but no, no. Nature decides. You are nature. How are nature you not are nature? Things in nature are decided because the way they fall into place together, the, 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 the synchronicity, the, the, the interaction, the, the web. I, I don't Friday control that web. I'm a human it's, being. Like I'm, You are the victim of Christian patriarchal propaganda that has you seen yourself no. as separate from okay, nature. You Christian, are nature. You are nature. Propaganda says fuck nature, right? Like, no, that's not what I'm falling into. I'm saying I respect nature. But you're separate. And I you're seeing yourself as separate. I'm not. We're not. No, I'm not. You you keep interrupting me, Sue. No, I'm not. So take the show. On to the next headline. Well, I how do they do this? I, I, I disagree. I think your calling is, is to serve nature by living as long as possible. In, in the way that nature intends, not by manipulating it and 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 altering it you're already and, you already are you're wearing glasses if it wasn't for those glasses like you wouldn't be able to drive a car that's not natural who says that i need these glasses this if we weren't living in babylon so like we are right now because we're living in i because i was born into the world that i was born into doesn't make it right doesn't so, make it the right way. But you're you're feeding exactly what you're arguing against. In the I didn't have to read a computer screen. Without this computer screen, these glasses are useless. The only need, the only real need I have for them is this computer. 
So even 20 years ago, I could throw these things right out the window. Bunk argument. But you're doing it. I'm, you, but you're doing, I'm doing it. it to help your production. And you're you're it, yeah. welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. And your excuses. You're welcome. Yeah, well, I need you. There's no excuse. I, I can walk off right now and okay. get rid of all this technology okay, well, and completely For the sake of my production, I need you to live as long as possible and learn from the ferret. Okay, so how did they do this? <laughs> the ferret died and came back to life. What right. happened to the ferret? We, we, what happened to the ferret's soul, the, the ferret's being in between all that? And how do they do it? If you're truly part of nature, then no, I have issue. I have a lot of issue with this. It's creepy as fuck. So cool. Willis' genes were fertilized into an embryo carried by a regular domestic ferret who then gave birth to Elizabeth Ann. So it wasn't really well, bringing her back to life. Club. It was just cloning. It's just a club. All right. That's what scares you about it's a this? misleading headline. No, the idea of bringing a dead animal back to life. All right. and that, But that's not what it was. That's not really what it was. All right. And so now from lightlynews.com, some friendly exercise advice. We've heard things like this before, but it's kind of fun to see this modern version of it. Exercise vigorously for four seconds. Repeat. Your muscles may thank you. A mere four seconds of all-out train, repeated two or three dozen occasions. Oh, this is one of those weird transcribed articles. Why did someone put this in the in the producers' club? Where did this article come from? I, don't know. I thought it was cool. But we see different things like this. This, like, um, you know, if you just work out for high interval intensity conditioning, high HIIT. That's um, That's not good either. You don't think so? No. That's, that's convincing people that they can be as lazy as they want as long as they get up for four seconds and like, you know, jog in place. Like my, my mother is, is like, I'm triggered. My mother does this. She walks, she'll get up. She wears her Fitbit. And she'll walk in place and say she's getting her steps. And like, go that's exercise, go. She will drive in the car, do this. Which has to look hilarious, depending on what level, what level you're at in traffic, right? Oh my gosh! But it gives people an excuse to think they're exercising when they're really not doing what's right for their body. You need to be more active than that. You can't sit around all day and just do a quick burst run for four seconds and expect to be healthy. Like that's that's misleading. That headline is as misleading as the last headline. Well, hold on. There's there. Just, so I would think. Okay. So what if there was someone who um, actually had results with this. And there is one guy, um, Mike Menser, who was like a successful bodybuilder, um, although he was jacked up on steroids and um, ended up dying, I think, of like a you know, relatively young age of, of heart complications from that. Um, but yeah, there is there is a version of this that works. But it's it's you're right. It's not four seconds at a time, and more people are being lulled into bullshit. Um, but yeah, if, if you saw a modern bodybuilder saying, "Hey, and I only work out thirty minutes a week," you'd be like, "Okay, show me how." But we don't really have that yet, do we? I trust. In terms of actual practical advice, I trust bro science more than these weird yeah. lab studies that say. Hey, if you can work out for four seconds like this, it'll still have this effect on this. And it's like, well, show me a guy doing it for six months. Yeah, healthy disrespect for authority brings up if you get your heart rate up high enough in four seconds, hats off to you. Yeah, I could. How there's got to be a well, I do. So here's the, if that. you did it. So it's a dumb limitation, right? Like I flex like this, my bicep as hard as I can. One, two, three, 
four. Okay. That's like a rep. Like, yeah. Okay. That's an exertion, but I still have to do this for like, you know, at least 30 minutes to stimulate significant, you know, muscle degradation and stimulation. And, and it, pretty hard to get your heart rate up that way but isometric exercises do have some potential that's why they can trick you into stupid shit like that yeah. all right so to the apes from daily star apes say hello and goodbye and judge each other's politeness oh. incredible study finds simians use the equivalent but this is before they then like First, fight to the other. death by ripping each other's fingers and toes off. <laughs> Simians use the equivalent of human manners to work together. Being disrespectful. <laughs> using uh, gestures to say hello and wrap up conversations by repeating, okay, sounds good. Wow. Yeah. Nifty. We're learning that cool. animals are smarter. See, and then and then no, I will I will back you up to being brainwashed into thinking we're no, I think that we are that the animals in fact, are probably more intelligent and communicate better than we do. We just haven't figured out how they do it. And we we are, slowly. They get along in nature without houses, without tutors, you know, seemingly without, you know, TVs and technology. They're, they're, I got I to gotta say they're, they're doing better than us. <laughs> you take all that away from us and watch. You can happen. go live like that. Anytime you want, we dear. can, but the mass population cannot. It would no, be you can, no, every, anyone can. No, no, like I'm saying, you can take off your glasses and your clothes and leave your phone behind and walk into the woods like, at any point you want to. Totally, I understand that. But it's smarter, do it. It's not, else. it's not, and <laughs> you're proving it by sitting here. Modern medicine for the win, technology like, for the win. I was talking about animals being as smart, if not smarter than us. We are we are not like this hierarchy in the animal kingdom. We are part of Yeah, it. we are. We're the dominant intelligent species. Yeah, we think so. All right. But some of us have dyslexia. According to goodnewsnetwork.org, explorer who found many iconic shipwrecks like the Titanic credits dyslexia for his success. Not being able to see the world in the same way as others is often considered a drawback, but the view from a different lens can also be revelatory. 79-year-old Robert Ballard, a pioneer in underwater robotic technology, always knew he was wired differently than most folks. It was only a few years ago that he learned he was dyslexic. When he finally had an explanation for early learning issues that set him apart from his peers, the realization also went a long way towards explaining just how extraordinary his particular gift of vision was. As National Geographic Explorer at Large, along with his ongoing Robotic research at the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute, Ballard's Milieu, is literally the wide oceans of the Earth. I live in a world where everywhere I go is totally dark. So you have to visualize it in your mind. Dyslexics are extremely good at visualization of three-dimensional space. When I am at my command center, I'm able to take all of that information into my head and then form a mental image of a world of total darkness where I'm extremely comfortable because I see it in my before discovering he was dyslexic, Ballard assumed that's how everyone else saw the world as well. But his singular ability to simultaneously assimilate vast quantities of information eyes on that's led to his greatest achievement, like finding the Titanic um, and, and a number of other similar incredible achievements. Uh, notable shipwrecks, the infamous Nazi battleship, the Bismarck aircraft carrier USS Yorktown, Torpedo patrol boat, last commanded by JFK, 
who saved his crew when it sunk during World War II. Yeah, pretty cool. So celebrate your mental differences. CNN Travel, dogs to the rescue as canine lifeguards save struggling swimmers on Italian beach. Yeah, anybody in lifeguards might want to work on their doggy paddle this holiday season after a group of 14 people struggling in high wind and waves at sea were rescued with the help of Italy's lifeguard dogs. Yeah, pretty cool. We're yeah, harnessing nature, right? Speaking of which, goodnewsnetwork.org, fueled by Glenn Fittich. Glenn Fittich Distilleries launched Fleet of Trucks that runs on whiskey waste. Yes! Drinking and driving don't mix when the alcohol is inside the driver, but what if the leftover dregs from a whiskey distillery could replace the fuel inside the tank? Whiskey is a potent potable that's fueled many things. Rebellion, imagination, and some pretty epic hangovers. And a lot of you would not be here if your parents were not drinking whiskey. Now it is powering the huge tractor-trailer trucks that deliver the Glen Fittich Scotch itself. Very cool. Also, good news for Britney Spears. Britney's win. Britney Spears' dad, Jamie, agrees to step down as singer's conservator as he claims to be target of unjustified attacks. Britney Spears' dad, Jamie, has agreed to step down as conservator of her state. Court documents obtained by the Sun State. So we'll see. He's he's not admitting that it's wrong. He's saying that it's um, because, uh, as he said, quote, there are, in fact, no actual grounds for suspending or removing Mr. Spears as the conservator of the state, as, as his lawyer. And it is highly debatable whether a change in conservator at this time would be in Miss Spears' best interests. However, Nevertheless, even as Ms. Spear, Mr. Spears is the unremitting target of unjustified attacks, he does not believe that a public battle with his daughter over his continuing service as her conservator would be in her best interests. So even though he must contest this unjustified petition for his removal, Mr. Spears intends to work with the court and his daughter's new attorney to prepare for an orderly transition to a new conservator. Yeah. Okay. Sad way of admitting defeat. From Axios.com, touchless Taco Bell could be the future of drive-thrus. Drive-thrus. I'm looking at fly-thrus and taco copters, but this is cool too. Late-night munchies will be a little easier to satisfy for mobile customers at Taco Bell's new touchless drive-thru restaurant coming to Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. And one of the things that I see that's already cool about this little engineering update, the restaurant is above the drive-thru spaces. And so not only is it completely covered, but it takes it has a smaller footprint. So that's pretty cool. So mobile delivery orders. I think this is going to like it's all scan QR codes delivered. Food is delivered from the elevated kitchen above via a proprietary lift system. <clears throat> Similar to the pneumatic tubes used by those bank branches. Oh, that's going to be so cool. The entire pickup process is contactless. Although two-way audio and video technology lets customers interact directly with Taco Bell employees in real time. They will soon be replaced by AI, so don't worry. Washington Post via MSN.com, a plant-based diet is the best way to avoid heart disease, according to a new report. We kind of knew this, but, you know, hey. There is constant squabbling over the virtues of various diets, but a new report published in Cardiovascular Research makes one thing clear. The best way to avoid heart disease is eat 
whole and plant-based foods. This is important because people are eating themselves to death. According to a 2017 Global Burden of Disease study, poor food choices account for almost 50% of all cardiovascular disease fatalities. I'd say it's more than that. Poor food choices. Ugh. Anyway, 60 is the new 30. This is from NBC at Yahoo. 60 is the new 30. What a new study says about metabolism and aging. Again, what I was saying about, you know, that power lifter at 100, not going to be a big deal very soon here. Blaming those extra pounds on a slowing metabolism as you age, not so fast. A new international study counters the common belief that our metabolism inevitably declines during our adult lives. Well, not until we're in our 60s anyway. Researchers found that metabolism peaks at around age one. <laughs> Why is that? It's when babies burn calories. 50% faster than adults, and then gradually declines roughly 3% a year until around age 20. From there, it plateaus until about age 60 when it starts to slowly decline again by less than 1% annually, according to findings published Thursday in the journal Science. To tease out the specific impact of age on metabolism, the researchers adjusted for blah, 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 blah. The point is... Metabolic rate is really stable all through adult life, 20 to 60 years old. And I'd like to think um, that it's going to be even longer than that, that this is a pragmatic observation of actual base metabolic rate. So this takes away a lot of excuses from people being overweight or, you know, being parents or things like that. So um, as, as he says, there's no effect of menopause that we can see, for example. And, you know, people say, well, when I hit 30 years old, my metabolism fell apart. Well, we don't see any evidence for that, actually. So this is for, with a database, more than 6,400 people aged eight days to 95 years who had participated in doubly labeled water tests. With this method, individuals drink water in which some of the hydrogen and oxygen have been replaced with isotopes that can be traced in urine samples. So they trace how much you actually process those isotopes by analyzing your urine. Um, pretty crazy. Um, historical convention, again quoted from the author, was really that with different life cycle changes of puberty, pregnancy, menopause, we thought that there was some shift in metabolism and it impacted nutrition status and how we approach things from a nutrition standpoint. This high-level rigorous assessment does not show that. So she said also, there are, there are lots of things that impact weight status and also someone's nutritional status. It's not as simple as just one food or one lifestyle change or one change. From a biological standpoint, it's more likely much more complex web of lots of different changes happening at once. So that could be changes to food intake. It could be changes in activity levels. It can be where they're living, what they have access to, what are their sleep changes. So yeah, but no more using your metabolism as an excuse. To space stuff, goodnewsnetwork.org, massive balloon the size of a soccer stadium to launch telescope to edge of space to study how stars form. Yeah, the instrument named Super Pressure Balloon Born Imaging Telescope, or Superbit, will fly above 99.95% of Earth's atmosphere next April will carry a wide-field telescope to rival Hubble 
but at a fraction of the cost, according to British scientists behind this uh, ambitious project uh, led by Professor Richard Massey of Durham University. Um, I'm sorry, this is a comment from someone else. Um, but this is a collaboration between NASA, the Canadian Space Agency, Durham, Toronto, and Princeton Universities to build Superbit, which would cost about two, which will cost, is costing $2 million to build compared to the $5 billion for NASA's Hubble. That's 5,000 divided by two, 2 million versus 5 billion. So one, 2,000 or yeah, one, two, one, five hundredth. Wait, one, two hundred and fiftieth of the cost. No, I'm not getting that right. It's a lot less. One, two thousand five hundredth, something like that. Um, sorry, Joey walked out of the studio for some kind of emergency on her phone. I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, but yeah, we're going to get through the rest of our fun headlines here, apparently. From medicalexpress.com, human sperm mutations that can cause disease in children identified. That's crazy. Throughout development and life in the process of aging, all human cells accumulate mutations resulting in what is called mosaicism, a condition in which different cells in the same person have different DNA sequences or genetic makeup. Mosaicism, mosaicism, mosaicism occurs in every human. It is mostly unnoticeable. If abnormal cells begin to outnumber normal cells, however, diseases may result. When mosaicism occurs in human sperm or egg cells, the mutations can affect both the man or woman with the mutation and subsequent generations. Wall Street Journal, and this is a fun insight one, not really a good news story. Digital addictions are drowning us in dopamine. Rising rates of depression and anxiety in wealthy countries like the U.S. may be a result of our brains getting hooked on the neurotransmitter associated with pleasure. So there's a lot in this story uh, we're not going to get into. We don't have time for today. But I think the awareness of this, think about it for yourself. If you're uh, conditioning yourself for a dopamine response based on something you do on your phone, if you get and for me, I got to admit. There was there was a period of several years, and I'm going to go back to something that I think is a I'm a I'm a huge advocate for, in terms of how to use a cell phone, which is turn your ringer off, not on vibrate, off, off, off. Most of the time, it should be off. You should not allow anybody with your cell phone to interrupt you to do whatever you're doing, your physical presence with where you are. And for a long time, I just had my phone on vibrate. Oh, that's cool. My phone never makes noise. I'm just, I'm stealth like that. But the ring or the, the vibrate was enough that I'd go, ooh, I got a message. Someone wants to communicate with me. And that was a weird little dopamine rush. And for a long time after I switched to ringer completely off, I would get phantom vibrations. It's not my term. I'm not making that up. You can Google phantom vibrations. I'll bet some of you watching this right now or listening to this podcast have experienced things like this with that addictive nature of your phone. And if, if, if you're getting phantom vibrations, you know that your dopamine system is fucked up, that your brain is creating this fake physical sensation in order to create a psychological payoff or get you thinking about that to get into that uh, habit, to develop that habit. And it's really a technology dopamine habit that can fuck up your brain in lots of other ways. So again, 
turn your phone ringer off. Keep it off most of the time. Only turn it on when you, again, I get it. If you're at work, okay, you're at work and that's your phone and you're working through your phone eight hours a day, that's different. Whatever you need to do for work, that's fine. So like for me, when it's work, it's like, well, I, I have, if I have a, um, and, and I'm traveling for an event, right? And I'm, I'm speaking at an event. If I get off the airplane and I have to be responsive to text messages, and I still don't take calls in most of these situations, fuck that. But no, I, if, if I have to be responsive to text messages, I put my vibrate back on for that time period, right? But the rest of the time, I'm present in what I'm doing. I can't do a podcast and have, I mean, I'm doing this on my phone anyway. You know, my phone vibrating or ringing or just being like, oh, did someone text me? The funny thing is during this, I actually do have to keep up with my Telegram messages to make sure nothing crazy is going on behind the scenes. Like right now, I'm checking in with the Producers Club. Moose Girl wants to share the Earthling movie, the Earthing movie, excuse me, the Remarkable Science of Grounding full documentary. That's cool. I might watch that this weekend. Um, she says, please go check that out. If interested about ground, we are all part of nature indeed. And Ed Vallejo, uh, check this. Ford is from the DC Skinny. Um, what is this? Oh, this is AstraZeneca developer. Human is not possible due to Delta. Yeah, we're not going to get into that now. We have too much fun, good news stuff. For the last 12 minutes of the week of Adam versus the man, goodnewsnetwork.org researchers identify a fearsome dragon with 23-foot wingspan that soared over Australian outback. Wow. Australia's largest flying reptile has been uncovered, a pterosaur that had a wingspan stretching 23 feet and soared like a dragon above the ancient inland sea that once covered the Queensland outback. University of Queensland PhD candidate Tim Richards led a research team that analyzed the fossil, a fossil of the creature's jaw, and was able to uh, extrapolate from that and say, yeah, pretty cool. Look at the pictures. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. Amazing fossil, too. Up next from goodnewsnetwork.org, duetting songbirds mute the musical mind of their partner. To stay in sync, researchers find. Speaking to Joey's point about the ways that animals can be more intelligent than us, she says more intelligent overall. I say in some ways, yes. But Art Garfunkel once described his legendary musical chemistry with Paul Simon. We meet somewhere in the air through the vocal cords. Sounds pretty gay. But a new study of duetting songbirds from Ecuador has offered another tune explaining the mysterious connection between successful performing duos. It's a link of their minds, and it happens, in fact, as each singer mutes the brain of the other as they coordinate their duets. I actually think it's very cool that that uh, you could say that you can, they can connect this to Art Garfunkel and Paul Simon and go, yeah, this as a famous duet, like they were able to connect that way and that all musicians have the ability to do this and we see this in the simple duets of some birds that uh, the auditory feedback exchanged between wrens during their opera-like duets momentarily inhibits motor circuits used for singing in the listening partner which helps link the pair's brains and coordinate turn-taking for a seemingly telepathic Performance. The study also offers fresh insight into how humans and other cooperative animals use sensory cues to act in concert with one another. And I think about so much of what we do as humans, we take for, for granted as sort of verbal controls. 
that are that, that you know are governments, authorities, and people used to control and manipulate each other. That you, we can liberate ourselves from with just awareness. And I think nonviolent communication is a great way to disarm most of those things. But hey, I got your attention, right? I and and it's funny because he's he's disgraced now. Um, uh, Joe Bishop Henchman within the Libertarian Party for his recent handling of his chairmanship. But I, I want to credit him for, uh, and he didn't come up with this himself, obviously, but he pulled it off in a brilliant way, this trick. We were in a room, it was a banquet, and he was on a panel. And it was set up slightly awkwardly in the room, where it was hard for the moderator and the panelists to hold everybody's attention with food and side conversations. And he just starts counting. And he goes, well, I understand that you can get people's attention if you just go one, two, three. I did like that. Four. Yeah, you were there. And he, he got to like 15. And then he had everybody's attention. Like, Why does that work? And you think about it and goes, well, it makes sense. Yeah, if I hear someone counting, and I don't know what they're doing. I see, uh, oh, it's a guy on stage I wasn't really paying attention to. Well, I at least have to pay attention until he stops counting to see why he was counting. And next, you know, everybody in the room is paying attention to him. Can't, and I, I was thinking about this last night randomly. And, and I was like, you can't do that in any situation. You can't, like, walk into a bar and start counting. People are going to be like, hey, hey, what are you doing? Hey, 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 what's wrong with you? Right? You might get the attention of a few people around you, but they're going to think you got like a bomb strapped to you in a situation like that. You're on stage in an event like that. Ooh, it's a brilliant trick. And next, boom, 15 seconds, you got everybody's attention. Got the whole room under a spell right away. Right? How many other tricks like that? Cops pulling you over. It's, it's, it's a verbal trick. Oh, you know, cops you do it the most. Work your way out of it. Right? And, and, and in cops, you see those kinds of assumptions about conversation weaponized. To get compliant, to do that, right? But think about advertising. Think about all the assumptions that we make, Joey, even in in our Babylonian lifestyle that lead us to buying things in aluminum cans. I mean, oh, fresco. Would you like a fresco? Uh, that, that's a weird um, um, the boys reference. What's what's that TV show with the, the superheroes that I really? Oh yeah, the, the boys. boys. Yeah, the boys. boys. It's amazing. Would you like a fresco? Um, but you know. This is corporate shit, and I think we were we're we're special because it's healthy and that there's you know there's no sugar in it, there's no corn syrup, uh, but it comes in a can and it comes in a can that I'm going to reuse as building materials, so it's it's okay. But who knows what 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 sales bullshit has led us to uh, the level of compliance that we don't even acknowledge and take for granted? It's verbal tricks still, right? It's in advertising. It's in in in, in the conversation in society. It's in the communication of here's the Walmart. If you've walked through it, you have accepted the communication of every label that, that touches your eyeballs, right? What verbal tricks, what mental tricks of sort of verbal and visual cues are being used for the same kind of manipulation? I have to, Duetting I have to songs fight words. myself out of that all the time, man. Like, no, like, seriously, walking through stores, the pretty labels still catch me. And I go, no, you don't need that in my head. Like, no, you don't need that. Yeah. I can tell you. How many times I say that yeah. walking through a retail place? Nope, don't need it. It's not practical. But I, I had to train myself and to so, do that. People get sucked into those beautiful labels like, and those verbal cues yes. and the commercials. And when I was a kid, I wouldn't pay attention to the TV show. I wouldn't. I, I would be off in my own little ADD world. And when the commercials came on, I'd snap, and my family would laugh because they thought it was cute. And it's. I mean, I guess it was watching it, but it's not because that was a proof of how programmed 
those commercials were yes. getting Lucky Charms or the Nets Quick or the I needed the Trapper Keeper and I needed the thing and ever and that's what caught my attention, not the TV shows. Yeah, it's terrible. So even having conditioned yourself or trained yourself deliberately in order to function in society, you have to submit to a certain amount of psychological manipulation by other human beings. And the more aware, the less of a negative effect it's going to have on you and the healthier of a relationship with other human beings are going to have. So Axios.com sounds like a bad story, but I think it's kind of a cool one for Good News Friday. The Great American Dog Shortage. This makes me want to like not get my girls fixed and have litters with them. Demand for pet dogs is far outstripping supply, and the imbalance is expected to worsen as young adults consider dog ownership a normal life stage before kids. Dog breeders face increasing regulation, and the U.S. cracks down on illegal dog imports. Why it matters, rabies and other diseases that can jump from dogs to humans are cropping up in places where they were all but eradicated, a result of unscrupulous imports from countries with looser hygiene laws and health oversight. Um, I know I, I really like how we got our dogs from like a local mutt litter, and it's kind of off the record. And I paid cash, and it's like it's there. I'm not trying to get purebred dogs, um, but I'm thinking like if there's they're importing more than a million dogs a year, um, the the annual demand for dogs in the u.s is eight million um pet ownership has increased from 67 percent of u.s households to 70 percent over the last year from the american pet products association oh by biennial so two years three percent that's part of it yes that's big so remember we we covered the story there's the fear of the whiplash from that that a lot of people bought dogs or cats or got animals because they were lonely in the pandemic and now we're giving them up and there's the potential of a flood. But according to this, uh, and by the way, this is a generational thing. Millennials, largest cohort of pet owners, 32%, boomers, 27, Gen X, 24. So maybe it's a, a par- parenting time in your life generation where pet, pet ownership dips, right? That makes sense. Um, but it's interesting that it's up so high overall and that that's being driven by the younger generations, right? Uh, or millennials. I'm, I'm the younger, you know, but 20 to 40, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think a lot of this, though, isn't like, hey, I need to breed my dogs because they're here, right? This is for um, people demanding purebreds or specific types. Um, but in the, for the shelters, the number of dogs going to shelters and being euthanized has plummeted over the last 50 years thanks to the success of spay and neuter programs and the rise of, quote, responsible dog ownership in which people commit to keeping a dog for life. They're not there as as uh, Patty Strand, president and founder of National Animal Interest Alliance, who has bred Dalmatians for 52 years, says there are just not enough dogs entering shelters to meet demand. So um, a lot of the puppy mills are being squeezed by government regulations. Canine Freedom Trail is one of many programs in which people transport dogs from states where shelters are full or crowded to states where there aren't enough. So it's not really just that we don't have enough dogs. We're doing it really dumb. No surprise. And we're doing it dumb because of government. Um, so today, primarily sick or dangerous dogs are the only ones that get, get, get euthanized. So it's not even... Oftentimes, shelters are giving dogs away from foreign importers because demand is so high. So I don't know, maybe we should start breeding dogs here as just healthy mutts. 
you know, who knows? You know, I I was looking around before 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 Dutch graced our life with his presence. Um, it was hard to find, or there was plenty of dogs in the shelter. So I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, get a dog. Love animals. Jim, give us the producer notes. What's going on, everybody? Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll make it quick this time. T.me forward slash Adam versus Samantha, where you can find everything. Patreon.com forward slash Adam versus Samantha. Support the show. Instagram at the Garden of Freedom. HomePrompBattleBuddies.com. TheCrypto6.com. GoGreenEnergyOnline.com. Click all those websites. Click all the buttons on those websites in that order. Love you all. Have a great weekend. All right. On this day in 1913, the first true stainless steel was produced by Harry Brearley in Sheffield, England, when he added chromium to steel alloy, resulting in a metal that will rarely corrode rust or stain. This day in 1913. Peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness. Be excellent.